Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined once again by my great friend and co-host, J.D. Hall. J.D., in the, I don't think we have time for a curveball today, but real quick, not a whole lot of off-season action has happened so far. What is your quick summation of the Jeremy Grant trade? Um, very quick, how can I put this? Timely. Very timely and very smart. I think it was a fair trade for both sides. I just feel like, you know, I, I don't, I, I hopped on Link Sanity last night, JD. And I just said this, I'm like, I don't think Jeremy Grant is as good as everyone's making him out to be. And that's, that's basically what I thought. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of off season action so far. I would bet that there's some that breaks. We're recording this at 1030 Eastern time. I would bet that there's some that breaks during this podcast, but I wanted to talk about the finals and JD, JD agreed with the vision. So we got to talk about game six, the only game we didn't cover from the finals. The Warriors won 103 to 90. And JD, I wanted to take a look at like the series as a whole and the Celtics and the Warriors as a whole. So what is your big picture takeaway from the Warriors winning this series? Um, big picture. The Warriors dynasty is not over and Steph Curry is top 10 about that. That's a pretty fair takeaway. I mean... I got... Uh, I'm sorry, but I got Steph Curry as the number one PG all time. <laughs> you and I don't agree there, but I'm a lot higher on Magic Johnson than you are. Like, a lot. So... Yeah, you are. <laughs> that's just something we'll never agree on. But that's okay. You know, I, I understand. But... JD, like... I feel like Steph was incredibly dominant this year. In this series, he had a stinker. We talked about the stinker in game five, and they still won. Just like, why is Steph your number one point guard of all time? Man, can we talk about... Okay, we have players that change their position. Magic made big guards a thing. Um, Jordan made everybody at the shooting guard position feel they needed a mid-range on in and to be super athletic. Uh, we could say Scottie Pippen turned point forward into a thing. You know, Dirk Nowitzki made the shooting force. You can we could go into all this, right? Mm-hmm. But Steph Curry changed the game, not just the position. Everybody feels they have to chuck up threes. Everybody feels they need to be able to shoot at least from 30 feet out now. And to do that and to start your own dynasty and to win four rings in eight years, Wow. What's funny, this is very fascinating to me. 
everybody clowned him for not um having the finals MVP, but Steph never averaged under 25 in the finals. Like it's something like that is so fascinating to me. Like he's never averaged under 25, and we making this the go that he needs to find MVP. Okay, we know he win that. And the way he did it, with or without arguably the best player on the planet, two with and two without, no matter how bad the rest of the team is, when he has his core together, he ha- he can't be denied in the finals. As long as all of them play all the games in the finals, he can't be denied. I agree with that 100%. And it's crazy because Clay, you know, just to bring it to what you were saying at the end there, Clay hadn't played for two, you know, two years, two and a half years, because I think it was what, 900 days? And yeah, 934. So that's like almost, that's almost three years that he didn't play. And he came back. He looked great for not playing for that long. Um, Draymond. Draymond played really great in game six. You know, he came out when he makes a three in the first quarter. <laughs> you, I like, I was like, oh, that's game. And it was, I think the Celtics were still winning at that point. But it's just something about this team. And Steph really is the Tim Duncan of his generation. Like, so steady as a rock. So, you know, capable. And so... He does what the team needs to win, right? Yeah. He came off the bench in the first round. This is a <laughs> bona fide superstar. Maybe the best player. You could talk yourself into him being the best player in the league. And he came off the bench. Is KD coming off the bench? No. Is Giannis coming off the bench? No. Is Kawhi, you know, this isn't a shot at those guys, but it's just like Steph is built different, right? With and he's without an ego with the biggest ego. That is crazy. He's like, there's, he's humble off the court, but when he's on the court, he's the cockiest dude in the world. And I think that's, you need that edge, right? I think he has that edge, that drive, that, you know, that will to win that the all-time greats have, like that Kobe had. I think, honestly, like that's probably the most underrated thing about Steph. You said two with, two without for KD. Like, he has been dominating the league for the better part of, I would say he started dominating the year he had 54 against the Knicks. In the Garden 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he killed the Spurs. I'm sure you remember that, J.D. I don't remember that series very well, but I hear people oh, talk about it all the time. I like, definitely do. Steph was killing them. This was in 2013. 2014, they went almost 50 games, losing the first round of the Clippers. And then 2015, Steve Kerr takes over. Draymond comes into the starting lineup, and they explode. Iggy goes to the bench. Iggy goes to the bench. I mean, they win 73 games in the regular season. And that 2016 regular season, J.D., I don't think I'll look upon a team that lost the finals more fondly than that 2016 Warriors because they had some great, great moments. I mean, if you just want to talk about, like, they started the season, what, on a 24-game winning streak? They... And they they were bored. 
They were bored. They, they were bo- bored out of their minds while setting records. Every night they set a new record and they were bored. I mean, that shot against OKC is one of the best shots I've ever seen. And it happened in a regular season game. Man. Man, that that that's that's one of the performances I go back and watch frequently as stuff. It's a couple games that uh, from 2016 I watch frequently just to watch their greatness. That's one of them. Um, when he went through all the Clippers and just shot it, turning backwards. Um, game six, Clay. Um, yeah, it like 2016 just had some of those moments where I just I the way I am, I just gotta keep watching. I mean, I still watch the 37 point quarter from Clay. <laughs> like it's so many things that this this freaking team that I, I watch all the baskets that that don't count that the team has made. Like that's how fascinated I am with how great of a team they are. Just so I can watch Iggy throw some insane passes that don't count or, or dunk the ball or watch Sean Livingston actually shoot a three. Like, you know, it's like stuff that like, wow, man, they, they literally built the dynasty. And it's like, I feel like a lot of the guys, right? Like, I think the same thing happened with Spurs too over time where we just grew attached to some of like the the role players slash not, the guys not dunking, right? Like, I think Manu Ginobili might be, just in terms of like sheer popularity, I think people probably like him, watching him play more than Duncan, just because Ginobili was How super flashy. Was. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the same thing, you know, I think Clay. He's definitely not more popular than Steph because Steph is insanely popular as a player. But Clay has some of the most fun, like the 37 point quarter, um, the 60 points on 11 dribbles. Man, like he had 43 on four dribbles. <laughs> he is so insane. And that's the, that's the thing with Clay, JD, to bring it back to this season. He got better as a ball handler. I thought, like yeah, attacking closeouts. I've never saw him attack attack the way he has. He got. I think he got better at that over the time he was on the bench because I think that was always the one knock you had on Clay, and it's why I don't think he could have like been a primary option like the way some guys are. Yeah, Clay always was a two dribble person, and I think this this coming back from the injury, we seen even though he's not finna hit you with uh, between has he, he still know how to get to his spots and go up for a great shot. Exactly, and Jordan Poole took a massive step forward. I mean, he really should have won Most Improved because he he just took a big step forward getting better as a player. Like he was legitimately an awful NBA player when he came into the league. I would not agree with winning most improved because we saw he averaged 16 last year. I can't give him that. I got to go with a guy. I told you a person with no expectations is somebody I, I believe should get most improved. So that's why I went with Tyrese Massey. We didn't think he'd be in this. He would have became this. But as far as Jordan Poole go, I saw him coming. Watching watching Golden State last season, I saw him coming. 
And one thing I think that Jordan Poole showed me that he could do that I didn't believe he could do in the finals, he started spotting up shooting. I didn't think he could really shoot without coming off the dribble. And it's like games four through six, I saw him spot up shoot. And I was like, oh, man, if this becomes part of his game, if this becomes part of his game, you telling me the Splash Brothers having a pool party all game long now? Like this, this is what we can see. Cause the next the next thing for him to do is start running off the of screens and doing it. And nine times out of ten. If he goes back, that's what he probably will be looking to do this offseason. For sure. And he, I just love how he's gotten better. And what you're saying doesn't seem ridiculous on its face, right? Like there are some guys you're like, they need to get better at certain things and they just aren't going to get better at that. But Poole has shown such a good work ethic through his time in the NBA that you wouldn't be surprised if he was able to do that at some point. He needs to like improve his defense, right? That's the one thing he needs to improve on. But that leads me to a compliment for Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr used pool in a fantastic way in this finals because he didn't play a whole lot. Pool didn't because they went at pool every single time. Yeah, they did. But when he did play, he was getting doing a lot of damage in those minutes. I mean, he had what two buzzer beaters in this series, mm-hmm. both of them banks. And he just was incredibly impactful in those like last three minutes of a quarter spurts. The spark plug. Exactly. Like, like the microwave, right? Like everyone always talks about Vinnie Johnson, the microwave. Jordan Poole was a microwave in this series. He came in, gave you instant offense and then didn't need to play, you know, the majority of the quarter. And that's a lot of buy-in from Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole did have an incredible season in the regular season yeah. this year. Yeah. And it's, it's great coaching and culture setting from Kerr and Curry. Like, and I, I know I crap on Kerr a lot, but JD, I do think I brought this up on Caleb's show last night. This is one of the most dominant runs we've seen. I not including, you know, the 2017 warriors. This is probably the most dominant run we've seen since the 2014 Spurs. Because think about how they dismantled the West and then really dismantled the Celtics after game three. So Nuggets in five, Grizzlies in six. And despite the jaw injury, when in the game shot played, they were up two one. So you can't even use that as a thing against them. They beat the Mavericks in five. And then they beat the Celtics pretty hand. Like the Celtics won game one by 12. And then the Celtics only got one more game off of them. And, the rest and of that like, series. Like I've been saying, Boston had to have one of the freaking make a miss quarters ever. And they made almost everything. They outscored them in that game one in the from the three alone more than what Golden State scored. Like it was no way Golden State was going to win when Boston was making shots like that. So credit to Boston. But one thing I want to say, two things about Steve Kerr. This has been maybe his worst team talent-wise 
while having more defensive liabilities than ever. And he made it work. We talking about buying in. You have, like, he turned Andrew Wiggins to not just an all-star, to a lockdown defender who we can say gave Jason Tatum fits, gave Luca fits. Like, I, I, I just think... Uh, with all the with all the smack talk that people give Steve Kerr, you have nothing you can say now, because this guy has proven, with or without the best players in the league, well, the top tier talent. If he got his core, he can win. Exactly, and I do think the West is going to be a lot tougher next year. We could talk about that more in the off season. Um. But I think the Warriors have a lot higher chance of making it back to the finals than the Celtics do. And I want to talk, I want to talk about the Celtics because, you know, Caleb didn't spend a whole lot of time on the finals yesterday, but there was one stat in particular that stood out. Jason Tatum shot like 40 something percent from three, right? He was really good from three. Yeah. You want to know what he shot on twos? Higher lower than 32. Way lower. eighteen. Okay, not that lower. It's 26%. <laughs> which is horrendous in every single way. He could not make a basket inside the arc. The only shot he had of scoring was getting a three up. And he's a really good shooter. So I'm not taking that away from him. But JD, I don't think two things need to happen for the Celtics to be a championship team. To me. Jalen Brown needs to tighten his handle. I think he got a little exposed on that front this year, although he was way better than Jason Tatum was in the finals. And then I think Tatum needs to improve on his finishing. What do you think the Celtics need to do to have even a shot at just getting back to this point? Ricky Rubio. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Also... Wait, what, what's supposedly going on in San Antonio? I, I take a shot at DeJounte. I would, too. I they would, too. Get get a point guard who could just fit, fit y'all defensive scheme and can actually put you guys in, in, in place to get easier shots. So I say get them a point guard. But one thing, it's so funny we brought this up about Tatum. Um, I remember J.J. Reddick said, stop shooting fadeaways. Stop shooting long twos. You only make it threes. Shoot the three. And it's like looking back when when he first said it, I was like, why don't he just go try to get a layup or a dunk? And it was like the more that I thought that the tougher it seemed for him to go anywhere but the three. And I was like, man, maybe he just can't get downhill. But when he did, Tatum wasn't being Jason Tatum from any other series. He was looking for a foul. And I said, and this entire time we covered the playoffs. 
I say Boston hasn't cared about the whistle. They just been attacking and attacking and attacking. He gets to the finals, and because he's not used to not getting those calls, it threw his whole game. He wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to score. It was just simply to get the whistle. And I think we've talked about this before, but the way you get the whistle is by trying to score. Like that's the way you make them call that call. And also not driving into three people helps. Um, He was like, I give the Warriors a lot of credit for how Tatum played in this series because he was kind of falling into their plans. I felt, and I felt like he was making (laughs) the Warriors were making him choose what to do. And Tatum was a good playmaker in this series. I felt like seven turnovers, Seven to four assist to turnover ratio. I've seen worse, right? Just to be real. But they, you got to, like, they don't have enough scoring on their team where if he's struggling like that, they're not going to be an effective offense because you have two scorers, two. And Jason Tatum took, or sorry, Andrew Wiggins took Jason Tatum out of it. And Jalen Brown was the main beneficiary of it, but Jalen Brown too, he would get the ball poked away from him a lot. Just that's just what happens to him. And, and I, and you, you know, another thing. I'm sorry for cutting you off. You're good. That, that they did, and I think they kind of took this away from uh, Milwaukee and Miami. They betted on Marcus Smart and Al Horford to continue to shoot good. And we watched him do it. Al Horford carried it on. But Marcus Smart, I always say it's all or nothing with Marcus Smart. And he was nothing a lot of times up in the finals. Even when he had 25 points, sometimes they seem like nothing. And I think that was something that every team Boston went against, except for Brooklyn, was banking on giving them a game. He couldn't keep it up. And he always did just enough. But Golden State did the one thing Miami couldn't keep doing. They took out Jason Tatum and said, okay, now let's see if y'all win. Miami exposed it a little until P.J. Tucker kept getting in foul trouble. Wiggins did it without fouling. So it forced Jason Tatum to pass it more, which he did a good job at. Also turned it over a lot, him and Brown. But we had to see Marcus Smart actually try to be that score for them to win. And I think Golden State did a hell of a job because it, it worked in their favor. It sure did. And it's like, I thought that was kind of my, you brought up Miami. I thought that was Miami's fatal flaw the whole time and why I didn't really trust them is because their forward depth was non-existent beyond P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler, right? Like their starting front court was elite. I think we would agree. Like for playoff basketball, it was exactly what you needed. 
they had nothing behind those guys. Like Markeith Morris has been cooked. I thought he's been cooked since he played in Oklahoma City, and he's still in the league. And you know their team was so small. That was my issue with Miami this whole time. And I thought they could be a great team. I just thought it was their roster decisions that held them back in a sense. Like letting go of Jay Crowder, huge mistake. I they tried st- to resign him. They did. I'm- it was something about Phoenix that pulled him away. And I hope he regret it. He probably does. And because if they kept that team that made the finals and if they added Lowry, and even PJ. with yeah, and PJ, even with the team. And by the way, that's another thing. PJ Tucker opted out of his contract. He's probably yeah. not going back to Miami next year. So that leaves a gaping hole at the four spot. Like who's going to play four for the they, Heat? I will hope he goes back, but man, it doesn't seem like he, I would. He go got pe- he got people calling for him. He's probably one of the top free agents because this free like after PJ Tucker and Aiden, like there's not a whole lot of like. Big, and Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, they're not going to get Miles Bridges. But those three are probably going to be the biggest names on the market. And then everyone else is going to be like role players, right? Which isn't a bad thing. You need role players to win a championship. But those role players are probably going to get... They're minor role players. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, even the minor role players, JD, they're probably going to get more money than they would in a regular year. Like in yeah. a regular free agent class. And I, I think we, we got two people to thank to, for that. Who's that? Otto Porter and Duncan Robinson. I mean, those two did get massive contracts. And then Otto's, though, Otto's was more for injuries. Otto never fell off as a shooter. And, he, you know, he's a guy who... He did it. I think he got better. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he got... But then again, JD, too, he got hurt a lot this playoffs. Yeah. He got hurt a lot this playoffs. And... Porter is one of the best shooters, like statistically, in the history of the league, right? I he just makes a lot of threes. He's a career 40% three-point shooter. Not a whole lot of guys maintain that level of shooting. He just has never been able to stay healthy. Um Robinson, I don't they gotta trade him. They just like it's clear he, they don't want him there. <laughs> and it's just tough. It's just tough because he was a massive part of the team that made the finals, right? Yeah. You and I both agreed he unlocked their offense when he was in the game, in spite of him being guarded the way he was. Like, you had to guard him. Otherwise, he was going to make a three. I just don't see how, based on what Pat Riley said, I don't see how they could bring him back. But that's not what we're talking about. You know, you bring up Ricky Rubio for the Celtics. I like that. You know what I would like even better for the Celtics? Your Ooh. guy from Big Blue Nation. He's playing on the Houston Rockets right now. Massive contract. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Why not? Why don't, wouldn't you like John Wall to the Celtics? I hate it. Because um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do have this thing where they could play some one-on-one ball, right? Mm-hmm. What does John Wall offer them outside of slashing in that moment? That's fair. So you're taking Ricky Rubio off ball over John Wall is what you're saying? Yeah. Like, if if we just talk about total player overall, I still think John Wall better. But I think for that group alone, Ricky Rubio fits everything better. His impact could be much greater 
That is completely and totally fair. Um, I do feel like though, if you get John Wall, he's not going to be like playing massive minutes. You know, he I'd basically just sign him to take Peyton Pritchard's minutes and maybe a couple more. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, JD. Like, I watched so when the Christian Wood trade happened, I was watching some Rockets games from the beginning of last year. Yeah, and John Wall, man. Like even with his diminished athleticism, he's still more athletic than some. Oh yeah, point guards that are getting. And he still can finish. Exactly. So he he can like I mean he can still dunk right. Yeah. So the, he has that going for him. I I just feel like John Wall could come in and help you because he's such a good passer. Like that cross court pass. He's still a very good passer. He throws that cross court pass better than anyone not named LeBron in the league. I fully believe that with my whole heart like or okay Andy Jokic but that cross court from like you're in that little weird mid-range area between the corner and the like the free throw line extended and you throw the whip the cross court pass to the open player in the weak side corner that is a hard pass to make and that's the kind of passer the Celtics need which Ricky Rubio we both agree is capable of making that pass but I think that I, I don't know, JD. Like Marcus Smart, I thought showed a lot better chops as a scorer than we'd seen before. Definitely. Like especially especially inside the arc. But I think we also both agree that like you were saying, Marcus Smart all or nothing player. I don't think we trust him. No. And that's what teams had to make um what what they wanted to see happen. Marcus Smart had to beat them. And because it's Boston, and for some reason, these young guys never really paid attention to their vets. They always blame Marcus Smart publicly. And so teams really tried to use that against them. I, I could definitely see that now that you mention it, because... I mean, Marcus did, though, earlier in the season. I, I don't know if you remember when. And this is something we should talk yeah, about with the Celtics, he called, too. He called them out. I, I do think we kind of have glossed over the fact that at one point they were out of the play-in. And they came back, fought their way all the way up to the two seed. Amazing. They had in a, like an amazing season, right? But when you're in the finals and you lose in the way that they lost... You deserve some critical thinking about your team and why you lost. And I think I miss me in the words of Bryce Shaddy, miss me with the fatigue talk, right? They made it hard. I think you will agree with this, JD. They made it a lot harder on themselves by not winning game six or not winning game five in Milwaukee and not winning game six in Miami. Absolutely. I think they made their lives so much harder because and I think that's what the Warriors did. And that's why I said it was so dominant. They took care of business. The only game that they really loafed around and like was a terrible game for them was that one where they inexplicably lost by 39 to the Grizzlies. Yeah. Other Without than that, player. <laughs> uh, they were up three, one in that series though. So it's not like it made too much of a difference, right? Like no, they, they came back and finished, finished them off. They took care of business. And the Celtics just weren't able to do that. And they still won the series, but it's no wonder you were fatigued after that so many cost. hard series. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know, JD, just looking at the Eastern conference picture before a lot of big moves are made, right? Like Chicago is in rumors for a center. I'm not going to name his name because JD 
You know, I did my research and it's all cap. We are keeping our core. We do not want the the that guy. I, I'm not going to be disrespectful right now, but we don't want him. But Milwaukee, I think, could be better next year. Brooklyn, I think, will be better next year. Do you think... I think a, from top to bottom, every team except for Detroit could be better. And JD, low key, if Cleveland makes the right moves, I think they can make some real noise in the playoffs. Like they definitely they lost some guys. Like they had a ton of games missed due to injury. But yeah. they were I mean, they beat the Celtics pretty handily and only like allowed 70 something points to them at, in one game this season. It was crazy. Cause you don't think like the Celtics are going to like <laughs> only score 80 against this Cavs defensive juggernaut, but that's what they were. The Cavs were a top 10 defense all year in yeah. spite of so many games missed due to injury. And if they stay healthy, they easily make the playoffs, not just the play in, but the playoffs. <laughs> oh, for sure. There, I thought like, even with all the stuff, I thought they were better than Toronto. I thought they were better than, yeah, same. I mean, like, I thought it was kind of a push with Chicago. I think Chicago fell off due to the injuries, too. So I'm not like they're kind of yeah. in the same boat to me as Cleveland. Like, I want to see them with a full season and with them to have a chance to add bets. I want to see, you know, Philly. I want to see what Philly does this offseason, right? Like, are they going to trade? To, where, where's Tobias Harris going to go? How? What step is Maxi going to take next? I'm not going to mention the guy's name because, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. So I think that. JD, I think the Celtics are going to have to fight really hard the next few years to get back to this spot. Absolutely. And it helps that Tatum and Brown are so young, but I, I just don't know. I think they, like, I think the East will be so much harder. I don't, I wouldn't even have them as the favorites to come out of the East next year. Oh, didn't have them this year. I, exactly. Exactly. I thought they were going to be good. I didn't think that I thought it was going to be Nets Bucks in the conference finals, which I thought they was absolutely a second round asset. But they weren't, so give them credit there. But they had I, I say this. I think they got a great future if they allow them young kids to grow. They gotta be patient with them. My, you know, I've been rambling for seasons about how they screwed up everything with Boston. So we we we'll see. I think you know, it'll take time. I, I think it's been easy for them to get to the conference finals um, pretty often, but I think now it's going to be one of the things to uh, they they really got to sit down and really fine tune the pieces around that core. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't think I really have anything else. I did want to say rest in peace, Caleb Swanigan. That's horrible. Yeah, Only 25. Yeah. Um, Indiana legend, Purdue legend. I should have got Dylan Hughes on for this, but I that's just a horrible, horrible thing. And prayers up to his family. I know that, that just sucks, man. He was in the NBA, what? Not even two years ago? Yeah. And now he's... Now he's gone and just always check up on your people. Always just make sure they're doing okay. And cause you never know what someone's going through, you know, and you don't want to, I mean, I didn't know Caleb Swanigan, but it just sucks because he was so young, had so much life ahead of him. Show our age. 
And it's just, it's, I wanted to shout, not shout him out. I just want to say rest in peace because it's just, it's so sad that he's gone so young. But um, on that somber note, JD, do you have anything to plug for facts and stats? Um, new episode dropping uh, this weekend, actually. Hell yeah. Let's go. Make sure you check out Facts and Stats. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. I, again, I hopped on Lynn Sanity last night. We had a ball. Um, I'm doing three podcasts in three days, folks. My vocal cords will be fried after tomorrow. <laughs> so it'll be a blast. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. They're recapping Obi-Wan. Last episode was they did was episode five. So make sure you be on the lookout next week for the finale. And JD, this was a blast. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, definitely, brother. Always. I want to thank everyone so much for listening. 